Sunday morning. Uh, we got some rain we needed yesterday. Temperatures kind of come back to semi-normal around here. Uh, you know, we don't get very much snow, but we have a lot of mud. So, uh, birthdays and anniversaries. Uh, Hunter Barber has a birthday uh, this week. Uh, are there any other birthdays or anniversaries this week? Okay. Well, let's sing happy birthday to little Mr. Hunter. To you, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Our next hymn is number 393, The Family of God. And as you're standing, why don't you look around and say hello to your neighbors. Talk to our family of God. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> hymns is tough. <laughs> uh, by the time you figure out the rhythm, the song's over with. Especially if you're challenged like me. Uh, well, once again, uh, good morning and welcome to Deep Creek Baptist Church. Uh, our announcements that we have are in the bulletin. Uh, March the 4th from 12 to 3 p.m. Uh, there's some sheets, I think, back there in the foyer. And on the back of this, there's going, there is a uh, medical benefit for Emma Upchurch. And her story is on the back of, uh, uh, of this flyer. So um, anyway, it's going to be at Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. And barbecue plates, music, raffles. Uh, Emma is still in the hospital and has spent two months in ICU. Uh, she's making progress and ask for your prayers. So see the flyer with a note attached uh, for more details. Uh, lift this child up. She's been on a prayer list. So we continue to pray for her. And if you can support this, that's a great thing. Um, uh, March the 7th, Tuesday at 7 p.m. Uh, the men's and uh, women's meeting will be... Uh, about our barbecue fundraiser will be in a fellowship hall. If you're interested in helping or whatever and want to know how this thing works, uh, come to this meeting because we'll have, hopefully by that meeting, we'll have tickets and we'll have everything planned out. Uh, to make our fundraiser a success, we need to pre-sale. And if you go to a place and they have, what is it, 10? 10 or more, we'll deliver. And so... Uh, uh, that way, if you go to businesses and they got 10 or more plates, we'll take them to them and they won't have to venture out. Uh, March the 19th at 3 p.m. Sunday in the Fellowship Hall will be a baby shower for Courtney Wilson. Sign-up sheet for Finger Foods is in the foyer and it's a girl. So, um, April the 21st at 11 a.m. will be the fundraiser. Uh, it'll be the first time that we've been able to actually do this Excuse me, since COVID. So uh, we're looking forward to it. And all the proceeds go to mission projects. Uh, what happens is we raise the money, we split it, and the ladies' circle gets half, and we get half, and the men's and the women's group uses that money uh, for projects, uh, mission projects, mission themes, or whatever. So uh, that's what that money is used for. Uh, are there any other announcements? Jerry, that's Oh, okay. 
Oh, okay. Well, there's not a sign-up sheet back there, but be thinking about what finger foods you want to bring if you were going to the baby shower. Um, any other announcements? Jerry, I noticed uh, we do have some visiting families here. Just a reminder, in our foyer, uh, when you're walking out, if you look to the right, uh, there's some white bags on that table back there. If you're a visiting family, grab one of the white bags. That's just a gift saying thank you for coming. Yeah. Good to see you back. Um, yes, please. That's what they're back there for. Um, praises and prayer requests. Any praises, prayer requests, updates? James made it there yesterday. Yeah, I. Uh, I'm glad James is there. I thought I sent him a text. He finally texted me back. So, uh, and the rest of the crew is traveling today. So uh, uh, they will. Uh, they will get there and spend a week in Honduras during mission work. So keep that mission team in your prayers. It's called Trinity Mission. So keep them in your prayers. Um, are there any other? Oh, praise and continue. Okay. Um, for those that have been praying for my mom and for her salvation, God has been opening constantly doors open for conversation and for her to be asking the right questions. So Amen. So please continue to pray for her heart because I can tell that things are, wheels are turning in her head. And especially, you know, yeah. the chaotic world That's right. is definitely bringing people to seek out God. Amen. Amen. Um, give me her name again. That way the folks here can circle it on there. Oh, both my parents are Rich and Michelle. Okay. Rich and Michelle. Okay. Any other? Uh, John? Just a couple for this morning. Um, what a friend for Roger and Ann. Right. Well, under the weather today. Um, praise for Jim Lucas. Go about it. And then we're going to pray for John Durham. That's Rachel's nephew. We're going to pray for him. Under the weather. So. Okay. Um, any other? Just we could probably take um, Darissa McCray off the list. She was the lady that lost her home. I guess she still obviously needs prayer, but um, she's she's doing well. She's staying with her sister, and things are progressing. And she's she has wanted me to share that kind of she appreciates all the prayers. That Amen. <coughs> Any other? Any other praises? No. For a full, what's the becoming a full full house? Our church pews are, are filling up. Amen. Amen. Um, you know what, Pastor Jerry? I do. I have one more prayer request. Okay. Uh, I work with a, a gentleman who was in the army, and he has a friend who was in the army who he just randomly saw uh, Friday at uh, Chick Fil A down in, in Fayetteville. And uh, this guy was medically retired from the army. His name is Joel. First name is Joel. I wrote down his last name, don't remember it, of course, but uh, I'll, I'll email it to you. Okay. But uh, Joel has what's basically, the doctors can't figure out what's wrong with him. It's basically like modern-day leprosy. And uh, he asked uh, for prayers. Uh, my friend Gary asked for prayers for Joel. Okay. He could be added to the list. We can do that. Young man, 28 years old. Wow. Awful things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I forgot one, too. Um, Co-worker of mine, Chris Duggar, her, her daughter um, was in a rollover car accident on the Silver SUV, and um, her uh, Chris's granddaughter was in the car, and uh, they were not injured at all. Amen. That's a prayer. Yes, yeah, right. That's a prayer. Any other? I mean, if, you know, if we take stock for a minute and just think about what God's done for us this past week. Um, he, he's really blessed us. Um, we've done some stuff that was sketchy. <laughs> when I say sketchy, I, you know, it kind of could be considered dangerous, you know, uh, but only if your foot slips. Uh, but that's why women live longer than men. Uh, but uh, God has blessed us. We, we get a lot done. Uh, we... we 
thank God that they haven't increased the Asha. Because uh, a lot of folks would not get anything done. But anyway, with that being said, God has protected us this week. He's guided us, and uh, it's been a great week. Uh, I'm, ex- I- I'm extremely thankful for what He's done to me this week. Um, had His hand on me. I hadn't been in any bad situations, but it could have been. Um, <laughs> I could have had be standing up here this morning with no hair. Uh, just so happens I got out of the way before it went boom. You know, so anyway. Um, but other than that, you know, he, he, he's just all about praising and protecting us. And we take a lot of things for granted. You know, um, I say I was able to get out of the way in time. Actually, what it was, I, was, I didn't really get out of the way. The wind shifted and the Lord did that so that it wouldn't singe all the hair off my face. Uh, so anyway, um, just so many things, so many things. Any other? Other people of Turkey, they attempt to recover from yeah. the catastrophic events. Yeah. And they're still having aftershocks. Horrible. Yeah. Um, I think I read an article yesterday and they said there's been over 450 aftershocks from that, from that earthquake over there. And the, uh, the aftershocks are running three and four five magnitudes, so pretty strong aftershock. Uh, so, and they had a, uh, they had an earthquake just north of Atlanta this past week, so, yeah. It's everywhere. Birth pain. Any other? Miss Sandy? Amen. Yes, ma'am. If there's no others, uh, we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Father God, we love you and we thank you for this day, Lord. We lift up each one of them that was named here this morning. Uh, each family that was represented here this morning. Each family that, that is online or whatever. Lord, we lift them up to you. You're involved in our lives, Lord, and we take you so for granted. I ask you, Lord, to forgive us for that. Uh, the little things. May we praise you not only in the little things, but in the mediocre and the, uh, the things of everyday life. Lord, we, there's people all around us who are crying out, looking for you. And if we would just uh, open our eyes and be willing to look, we would find them because you would put them in front of us and we could share the gospel, pray with them. Uh, Lord, uh, introduce them to you and, 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 and your, your presence that we have. Lord, we just love you. I ask you to open your word up to us today. Bless this time we have together. Lord, I thank you for the weather. I thank you for this wonderful day that we can gather and worship in your name and, and not have to hide to do it. We're still free to walk about and proclaim you. We find that that's going away quickly. But we love you. We know you're in control and all this works for your glory. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If everybody would please stand and sing with me our offertory hymn, hymn 555, I Love You, Lord.
just thank you so much for this day. Uh, we thank you for the rain that we've had, Lord. Uh, just protect us. Help us, uh, help us do what we need to be done, Lord. So we, we do everything that's, that's in your glory, in your honor. We just uh, praise the military and our first responders, Lord, and be with them, keep them safe, and bring them home every day, Lord. Uh, put the leaders of this country on their knees, Lord. We'll come to you for everything they need. We just really need for these leaders to come to you for their answers. And just use this money as you see fit for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you will turn to Acts chapter 1. Um, I've been preaching this year um, about the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been preaching about our responsibility to Him. And it was our responsibility to share the gospel with those who haven't heard it. And even share the gospel with those who have heard it. Um, and we get to Acts, and you'll notice that, that when, you, when you share the gospel, there's uh, issues arise up. What was that? No, I'm sorry. My ears ringing. In, uh, oh, I said, no problem. Uh, I, thought I, I thought this thing was squealing. It was, uh, but anyway, uh, it's a baby, and that's wonderful. Uh, doesn't it sound great? Ain't it? Amen. Uh, it's been a long time since I heard a baby. However, that's about to change before. Um, there, there's issues that come up. And people want to know, how is it that you can believe in Jesus? How is it that we can stand there and believe in something we can't see? And so, in the first eight verses of the book of Acts, um, we're going to come across some uh, infallible proofs. And, and Jesus is going to give us instructions. And uh, and then it's going to be explained in eight verses. Uh, you found out Wednesday night that there was there was probably three verses, two verses Wednesday night in our Bible study that put the whole theology of Jesus Christ in two verses. And so right here in these eight verses, we're going to get a little bit more. So. Uh, I'll start reading in verse 1. It says, The former account have I made to Theopolis of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. After that, um, after that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, uh, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And when they had therefore when they therefore were come together, uh, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put 
in his own power. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Let us pray. Father God, we love you and we thank you for your word. We thank you that we are able to read the accounts of the apostles, the accounts of your life. And Lord, we thank you that we have the same Holy Spirit residing in us that came upon them. Lord, we ask you to open your word up to us. Lord, I ask that I decrease and you increase so that the hearts that need to be touched can be touched. And those that need to hear this can hear it. And the hearts that need to be softened will be softened. Lord, I ask it in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Alright, and so we're going to get into this pretty quick. The first thing that I want to tell you is a little bit of history. Uh, because I'm a history guy. Um, it says... Uh, the most of you know that the book of Luke and the book of Acts used to be combined. They did. They were combined and they finally were separated. And so uh, when he says I, the former account uh, is the gospel of Luke. At one time the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts were joined together as one book with two volumes. And so they've separated it and, and rightly so and they've retitled it and rightly so because the book of Luke is a gospel. And the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. And so, uh, but it's written by the same man. Imagine uh, what it would be like if the book of Acts wasn't in the Bible. Have you thought about that? Just, just a little bit of history I'm going here. Bear with me a minute before I get down to the to meat and potatoes. You pick up your Bible and you see the ministry of Jesus ending in the Gospel of John. Next you read about the man named Paul. If the book of Acts was not there, it would go straight from the end of the book of John to Apostle Paul doing whatever he's doing. We would never know how Saul became Paul. We would never know the journeys. We would never know everything that was going on in the early church. Uh, the Acts was written in a literary style of the Greek translation of the Old Testament. So we know that, uh, that the author was Greek trained. Uh, and here's the other thing. Uh, we really don't know much about Luke from the New Testament. And we know that he was a physician. That tells us that in Colossians. And we know that he was a Gentile from his name. Um, and we know that he was a devoted companion of Paul. And we get that from the book of uh, the text of Acts and Colossians and Philippians or Philemon and Second Timothy. Uh, but there was a time when many scholars and critics thought that that the book of Acts was sort of a romance novel. But they all the time have made these statements about the different books of the Bible. They they think that that uh, the book of Matthew was copied from the book of Mark, and vice versa. And so, this, this is just going on. So, anyway, uh, I give you this little history so you'll kind of know if you won't be shocked if you hear it. Uh, and so, main thing we want to talk about is, uh, is Luke wanted to show Theopolis and the Romans that Christianity is harmless. Uh, some Roman officials embraced uh, it themselves that Christianity was innocent. Roman judges uh, could find no basis for prosecution or persecution for the Christians because they hadn't done anything. They were upstanding citizens. Uh, and that Christianity is lawful as a true fulfillment of Judaism, which was approved religion of the Roman Empire. And some people say, well, how you can stretch Christianity to Judaism? Well, where did it happen? Who were the players? Who were the players? Jesus. Who was Jesus? What, what, what nationality was he? He was Jewish. The apostles. Jewish descent. Where did they operate? In, in, in Judea. Or what they called at that time Palestine. They operated in the land of Israel. Who was the most offended by them? The Sanhedrin. The leaders of the Jewish community. The high priest and the, and, and the lawmakers of the time. And so 
It was not. It was a harmless religion. All they were doing was taking good men and making them better. They were telling them that, that the worship of idols was wrong. I mean, think about everything that Jesus did. He healed people that were sick. I mean, He never threatened to overthrow any kingdom. He never had an army. But yet, the Romans wanted to persecute Him and put Him down, all because they were being guided by the thing that most pastors don't talk about today. They were being under the influence of demonic forces. Now, whether that's a shock to your system or not, He's real. The Bible tells us that He is real. He was cast out of heaven. The Bible also tells us that, he, that the Satan roams around the earth looking to see who he can devour. And so he is real. And his, when he came down, he took a quarter, I think I'm right, a quarter of the angels with him. So demons are fallen angels. So there's angels roaming around that, that are evil. Um, and so with that being said, uh, of, of all that Jesus began and uh, both taught in verse 1 and to teach, uh, the former account concerned Jesus' life. The book of Luke concerns the gospel, the, the Jesus' life, an account of his life. The book of Acts it is an account of the apostles. In fact, if you use the proper term of it, it's the Acts of the Apostles is the name of the book. And it's just like when we get to Revelation. Everybody said the book of Revelation. Well, actually, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ is the correct title of that book. And so we kind of lay off because we like to shorten things up in our drive-through society that we have today. And so anyway, uh, we need to remember several things. Number one, um, that Acts does not give us the full history of the church. It doesn't. Uh, Where's my got my sheet messed up here? Excuse me. Uh, so there's infallible proofs. When we get to verse three, we'll see them. In verse three, it says, "To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, uh, many infallible proofs being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God." So there's a lot of infallible proofs. Uh, one of them, he rose from the dead. No one else had done that. He rose from the dead. He presented himself alive to his apostles. To his apostles. Remember Thomas. What did Thomas say? Ah, you guys are crazy. I won't believe you unless I can put my fingers in his hand, the holes in his side. And as soon as he seen him, what did he say? My Lord, my Lord. We have people today who doubt. And the main reason they doubt is because they don't want to understand or they don't want to realize the fact that we're under condemnation. They, were under, they are under condemnation. Until they accept Jesus Christ, until they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, confess their sins before Him, they are bound for hell. They're already going there. They had a movie out called Dead Man Walking. That's what people are who have not accepted Jesus Christ. So he appeared to them out of the empty tomb was one of the infallible proofs. It was so infallible, in fact, that, that the Sanhedrin paid people to say that his apostles stole the body. Well, think about this. If his apostles had stole the body, right, there were 24 Roman soldiers guarding the tomb. They were mercenaries. They were the hardened war-fighting machine. Under the penalty of abandoning their post or letting whatever they were guarding get gone, they would die. Something scared them away. They left their post. Scared them so bad that even Pilate didn't punish those, those soldiers. Now, there was a force that came and moved that big stone out of the way. Can you imagine you be sitting there on guard duty if you've ever been in a service and all of a sudden what your garden rolls out of the way and somebody that's supposed to be dead walks out? 
Kind of hard to stay there. Kind of hard to stay there. And then they were paying people to put this out there. How many times after Christ rose did the the apostles get arrested? Why didn't they execute them for stealing the body? I mean, everything they did was on the up and up, correct? I mean, they arrested him at night, which was illegal. They held a court trial at night, which was illegal. Then they presented him to Pilate, which was illegal. I mean, the whole proceeding was such a great smirk on the Sanhedrin of Israel at the time. Why didn't they execute the apostles when they had them for stealing the body? Because in, in, in Jewish law, desecrating a grave and pulling a body out, not only were they unclean, but they were considered evil and demonic. Yet they arrested them and put them in jail. Didn't kill them. Warned them not to keep preaching. And so there's a lot of proofs here. The appearance of Christ. He appeared to all of His apostles, but He also appeared to over 500 of His followers. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Are you... Are you just suppose you were one of those 500. Were, were you willing to be beaten for seeing Him? If you've seen something... Can they get you to say you didn't see it? If you did? Would you offer your life up for a lie? You know, the apostles went on to die for what they believed in the resurrected Christ. They never once recounted. There was instructions given in verses 4 and 5. It says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them... Uh, that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait until the promise of the Father, which said, He, ye heard of me. For John truly baptized of water, but ye shall be baptized of the Holy Spirit uh, in, in a few many days. And so, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. He told them not to leave. What's your first inclination if, you, you know, if the leader of your organization is, is, is executed? And everybody around there is turned against you. Your number one probably concern is to flee. Go somewhere where it's safe, where you can lay your head down at night and kind of sleep without having to sleep with one eye open, where you can get some rest. But they, Jesus told them to stay. And they stayed and they were protected. Nobody bothered them while they were waiting during that 40 days. So we don't need to, when he gives the instructions, he's telling them, do we need to rely on human power? No. All through Scripture, we find out that we're, our, our power comes from where? It comes from God. Those of us who are instilled with the Holy Spirit, our power comes within because we're guided by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the one that tells us, yeah, you shouldn't do this. The Holy Ghost is the one that tells us, don't you feel bad for making that statement? Holy Ghost says, you know, you need to turn around and go apologize. Holy Ghost says, man, that was a great thing you did for that person out of clear blue. There's a person over there. Why don't you go speak to them? They look like they need something. And you go over there and you find out that they're having a terrible day. A day that is, that is nobody would wish on you. And then somebody comes along by guidance of the Holy Spirit and puts your arm around them and they fall all to pieces and they've had a one that takes a bad day and makes it better. The Holy Spirit is the one who guides us because we as men, and when I say the word men, I'm talking about all of us, whether we're male or female, we as a, as a race of men are not that compassionate. Without the Holy Spirit, we don't even know what love is. We're selfish. I mean, think about it. Think about it. Look at our children. Do you, have to, do you have to teach your children to be selfish or do you have to teach them to share? What's the first thing they do when they get a hold of something and somebody else comes over and wants to play with? Mine! Grown-ups still do that today. Grown-ups still do that today. You know, we, we, we get it. We have certain places we sit in our house. And if you sit in the wrong chair and somebody comes in there, the person's supposed to sit there, you've got to get up and move. Because they're telling you without saying it, mine! 
We have certain glasses we drink out of. We have certain chairs we sit in. We have a certain place that we like to be. We still aren't able to get that mind out of it. And then when out of the clear blue these children share just because they want to, what is our heart melts? Oh, I'm so proud of you. Oh, I'm proud of you. That was a great act. And then five minutes later, they're fussing and fighting. That's adults do that. Adults do that. That's the, we have, we, you know, we're not that different. The only difference is between us and them is we figured out how to kind of mask some of this stuff and how to nuance our way through these things. Children, they're just honest. They don't care if you're there or not, and they don't care who's at your house. You can have company come over and Lord let the show begin. <laughs> I know I was one. And they would ask you, they would ask you, why did you do that? I don't know. And they don't. When they say I don't know, they don't know. You have to understand according to <laughs> according to uh Huxtable, Dr. Huxtable. You remember him from the TV show? Children are brain dead until they're 20-some years old. Their minds are not fully developed. And you're trying to reason with somebody who has brain damage. <laughs> and if you really stop and think about it, it's the truth. Because all of their capacity of their brain hasn't been formulated yet. And we're, we're you know, whatever our ages are, are trying to relate to them and wanting them to understand us on our scale. And, I don't know. You know, why did you cut half of your hair off and leave the other half? I don't know. It seemed like the right thing to do. You know, I, who knows? But here's the same thing that we're telling. You know, God is telling us that by the Holy Ghost, we have some semblance or some semblance of, of, of perfection in us, of direction, of honesty, of integrity. Trust me, you tell a story. After you've been indwelled with the Holy Spirit, you know it. Man, you feel bad. You do something wrong. I know me, I get upset stomach, almost sick to my stomach because I've done something wrong that I know I shouldn't have done. And I have to go for number one and ask God to forgive me and go make it right. I have to make it right. So he's telling them to wait for the super spiritual power that they were going to receive. And they did. And then they got to asking questions, you know. Uh, they wanted to know, was this when the, the, the kingdom of Israel was going to be restored? But it told him it wasn't their time to know. It wasn't for them to know. See, the apostles, even as, as uneducated as some like for us to believe they were, they knew about the prophetic future of Israel because they had been taught it since they were a child. All of them learned that mouth to ear. Mouth to ear. And so, you know, uh, they were wanting to know, was this going to happen? And Jesus told them it wasn't their time to know. Uh, and He was letting them know that the prophetic kingdom of Israel was to come later. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and the power that they were receiving now was for witnessing to the world about Him and for the kingdom to come. That's what it was about. You know, He also presented Himself uh, as an infallible proof. We talked about that. He was an infallible proof. You couldn't... How can you deny a man standing before you? His final instructions to his disciples was to wait. To wait means that it was worth waiting for. The thing that we hate to do is wait. And after spending some time in the military, man, I hate to hurry up and wait. When I was in the army, they had this commercial. We do, no, we do more by 9 a.m. than most folks do all day. That's because they started at 3 o'clock the afternoon before. He went right up. And 9 a.m. is when it was finally concluded. But you've been doing something the whole time. Uh, to wait means that they had a promise that this 
spiritual gift, the Holy Ghost, was coming. He told them, it's going to come upon you. To wait means that they must receive it. They could not create it themselves. Salvation means you must receive it. See, if you could create it yourself, Christ would not have had to die on the cross. He would not have had to lay in the grave for three days. He would not have had to rose or rise from that grave and make Himself available for 40 days and then ascend to heaven on Pentecost. To wait. To receive it. It's one thing to wait. It's another thing to receive. Have any of you ever received the gift and stuck it over in the corner and never opened it? Some of us have. I had an uncle. Every year he would get a Christmas present. He'd go into his bedroom and he had stacks of them where he never opened them. There were no use of him to him because he never opened them and seen what they were. A gift is nothing if you don't receive it. It's useless unless you open it up and see what it is. And so when you accept God as your Savior, you receive it, and then you let it open up inside of you, and then you're able to use it. And that's, comes, that's the wisdom that He's talking about. That's the wisdom that comes from the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Now, what it is, it's a frequency. Each one of us has a frequency that we respond to with the Holy Spirit. We have to tune our receiver in the to hear it. Some of us have so much static going on around us that we have to really crank up the volume on it. Other of us can catch a faint little whisper in the breeze. And some of us are somewhere in between. But that's okay. And to wait also means that they would be tested by waiting at least a little. Have you ever been tested by waiting? Have you ever ordered something online and had to wait for it to get here? And it seems like the days drag, drag, drag. And then you get that little email. It's out for shipping. And it happens to be at 4 o'clock on a Friday afternoon. And so it's a holiday on Monday and Tuesday. And it's, it's on out and on out. You need that. You need whatever it is because you ordered it. You want it. Got to have it. Pull it in the drive-thru and they tell you pull ahead. <laughs> That's a hard one. Uh, but anyway, it's a test to wait just a little. I can't even pass the one at the drive-thru. And my daughters will tell you that I have embarrassed them on more than one occasion. Take my money... And they said, can you pull ahead? I said, no, I'm fine right here. <laughs> uh, Sir, wait, we need you to move ahead. No, I'm all right. I said, I'm waiting on my food. But we have other customers back there. I said, well, you've got to finish with this one first. You know, so anyway. Uh, I don't do it all the time, but every now and then it happens. You know, uh, anyway. Uh, but waiting is a test. We hate it. We want it right now. We want things when we want it. And he commanded that the promise of the Father to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, this was another example of how the fact of the Trinity, uh, a fact of the Trinity that God was one, Jesus was two, and the Holy Spirit was three. A triune God. There is examples of the Trinity all throughout the Bible. You have to look for them. And you will get people that will ask you, how can three things be the same thing and different at the same time? And there's a lot of things you can use. You know, a lot of examples. The one I personally like to use, which is not very well, is an egg. What'd you have for breakfast? I had eggs. Well, when you open up the egg, what you got? You got an egg yolk, an egg white, and an egg shell. All three of them are egg at the same time, and all three of them are different. Not a very good excuse, but it works. For example. But anyway, he's promised them that they're going to, God's going to send His Spirit to rest upon them. 2,020-some years later, the Spirit is resting upon us. That same Spirit that came upon them is upon us. That same Spirit that guided them to share the Gospel is the same Spirit that should be guiding us. We don't have to worry about getting beaten right now where we share it here. 
We don't have to worry about people coming and snatching us up in the middle of the night and hauling us off to some gulag somewhere yet. We don't have to worry about those things right now. Right now, we should be proclaiming the gospel everywhere. And to quote my favorite pastor, Adrian Rogers, and when necessary, use words. Our lives should be an open example of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It says you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. When you accept Christ, excuse me. <coughs> when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, that moment you're filled with the Holy Spirit. That moment, that instant, you are a new creation. Your heart is changed. But you have to learn how to deal with that new heart. You have to learn how to, how to use that new heart. You have to work at it. It's brand new. It's a baby. You have to give it nurture. You have to give it infamil. Small doses of this. And then as it, as it gets a little bit older and more mature, you can, you can move it up to Gerber. And you can spoon feed a little theology in there. And then as they get to where they can eat solid food, you give them steak and potatoes. And then you start throwing the whole theology of God on them. And then you start telling what their purpose is. Every Christian should know what the purpose of life is. It's simple. It's simple. To have a relationship with God Almighty and share His message with others. That's the purpose of life. To do what He's called you to do because you don't have a claim upon yourself as a Christian. Isn't it so much simpler now that you realize that all you're supposed to do is what God tells you to? You don't have to worry about, well, am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? Ask God. He'll decide it for you. If there's something I really want and something I really want to do, I pray for it. I ask God, I said, if this is something you want me to have, increase my desire to have it. But if it's not, decrease my desire. And I'll pray for it over a few weeks. And if all of a sudden I'm not thinking about it, it wasn't meant for me. It wasn't meant for me. But if it's on my mind, when I'm just doing nothing, which I know, ladies, you can't do that. We can. We can think about absolutely nothing. And all of a sudden, bang, there it is. Then I know God's wanting me to, to pray about this thing some more and do some more research. I don't do anything haphazard anymore. I used to. That caused a lot of problems. And so... We're to baptize with the Spirit to be immersed in the Lord. When we're baptized in the Spirit, when we're baptized with the Holy Spirit, remember when you're baptized, you get immersed in water. We got baptized by the Holy Spirit. We got immersed with the Holy Spirit. We didn't get sprinkled. We got dumped. And we're to be immersed in His Word and His service ever since. Now, He understands that that we have obligations, that we have families to provide for, and that we had occupations that we need to do to be able to provide for our families. All of those are mission fields. Fathers, we are responsible for the salvation of our children. We're going to give an account when we stand before God on the salvation of our children. Our job is to make sure they understand who God is, Give them all the possible information we can give them and allow them to come to that decision on their own. We're to walk it out in our lives. We're to, we're to, we're to uh, exemplify that in our actions at home, the way we treat our families. They're going to emulate us. What better example than emulating a man filled with the Holy Spirit? Think about it. When they're little, what do they do? They run over to the door and they stick your shoes on. And they clump around the house in your shoes. Why is that? Because they want to be like dad. They want to be like dad. I don't care if you got girls and I don't care if you got boys. They're going to stick them shoes on and they're going to walk around. Check them before you put them back on. There might be a Lego in there. There might be a Lego in there. God's plastic example of a sand spur. But anyway, we have examples. We have the experience. We have the unadjudicated 
infallible existence of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. We have undisputed, infallible evidence that He gave us a job to do. And our job is to see that as many people as we come in contact with will have knowledge of the Holy Spirit and of Jesus Christ. That's it. We're not charged to save anyone unless we physically know how to save somebody that's physically dying. When it comes to spiritual things, that's the work of the Holy Ghost. That's the work of God. Our job is the messenger. And sometimes, since sometimes, we're blessed enough to be able to see the harvest. So if you're here today and you're not sure what your job is and you're here today and you, you don't understand what you're to do and you, you're afraid to, to share your faith with others, now you have some ammunition. You have some ammunition. You can go to Acts chapter 1 and say, look, this is it right here. Jesus died. Jesus rose. Jesus interacted with people before he ascended to heaven 40 days later after he rose from the dead. And he's up there today alive, sitting there with his spirit indwelled in me, guiding me to talk to you. Make it that personal. Now you can't do that with some random person. You've got to do it with somebody you've having a relationship with. Don't leave here today without being right with God. The kingdom of heaven is near and one day that door is going to be closed. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I love you. Lord, I thank you for this message. I thank you for this, this wonderful congregation. Lord, I thank you for all that you do for us. Lord, I ask you to, to guide us, to keep us safe. Lord, give us the wisdom and the, the courage to walk and expand your kingdom. Lord, we'll see more, they'll see more people than I ever will. I ask you to open their eyes and use them heart so that they can see the people that you put in front of them. Those that are hurting and those that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ so they can have hope in this very, very disintegrating world we live in. Lord, as they go out this week, just bless them, keep them safe, keep their families safe, and may all they do honor you, Lord. Lord, I ask it in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen.